Well, we might be peaking too soon here on the OHL podcast, bringing in the big names early in the season. But Conrad Hache, the director of officiating in the Ontario Hockey League, joins us for this episode. Appreciate your time, Conrad, and welcome to a new season. Happy New Year, I guess. Happy New Year. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> uh, anytime. Uh, these seasons always tend to start with some tweaks uh, in the rule book. Before we get into how much more technology might be involved, let's talk about a couple of the things that fans are going to notice, I think, immediately. One of them being on icings. Now, uh, last year when we were still playing in this league, uh, an icing from inside your own blue line, you couldn't make the change. If you got out of the zone, you could make a change. This year, any icing, no change for the team that ices the puck. Why make that change to the rules? That's correct. Uh, the uh, the other two leagues in the Canadian Hockey League adopted the same rule as us. So to be consistent with the Canadian Hockey League, we adopted no change um, for all icing because we noticed it at the Memorial Cup. So the Memorial Cup, the OHL team had to make an adjustment there um, to the no change. So if we're consistent with them and also to stay consistent with the National League as much as we can. And the National League has been with a no change uh, on all icing for a few years now. So uh, now we're consistent with them. We're consistent with the uh, CHL. And uh, I think it's just a better rule. Overtime three on three, but teams are going to have to make the long change. I remember Jay McKee got pretty sly about this as a coach where he would make a change immediately off the opening faceoff if he got possession and started a guy <laughs> up the ice. But uh, obviously this is to try to open things up a little more in overtime. Yeah, that's correct. Open it up a little bit more. And again, it's to be consistent with the other two leagues in the Canadian Hockey League and with the National Hockey League that have, again, been doing it for a few years. We just never uh, adopted the rule at the beginning um, for the three-on-three. But since everybody's doing it, we're going to do it also. Is there a reason that the O was kind of lagging behind in this regard? Uh, No, not really. Just it it wasn't, I guess, a priority to say for us to make that change. But it's when we get to, it's probably because we haven't had a Memorial Cup in uh, in a couple of years, because that's where we all get together as a three leagues and you start to look at things differently. And then you go, okay, well, they're, they're using this rule. I mean, we're not using this rule. So we want to try to stay consistent as much as we can. We discuss all year rules, but it's really until, until you play and you go, okay, then we should be adopting the same rule as them technology in the game how much more technology are we going to see put to use in Ontario Hockey League games this year well this year we, we didn't bring anything new so we're just going to continue to grow with what we've got uh, what we're looking at to to grow is to get microphone uh, or mics on referees the same as the National Hockey League so they can announce uh, you know the penalties and what's being reviewed and we feel for the fans, it's just better. It's better for the fans to know what's going on, for the fans to know what's being reviewed, if it's a high stick or offside or any of the penalties. So that's one of the things that we're looking into, uh, but it's certainly not in place yet. And we continue with the same technology. I mean, we're the only junior league right now to have a tablet in the in the penalty box to assist our referees with, with major and match penalties. And also we've got the... Uh, goaltender interference which is a coach's challenge that that the referees could review um in the tablet starting with the regular season so those are all things that were in place in the past uh we're just trying to make them better and and grow from there when it comes to goaltender interference conrad does that have to be is that only reviewed when a coach challenges it or do officials have the discretion to review it themselves 
are correct. It has to be challenged, and the team has to have the ability to challenge. So they have to have their timeout in place uh, in order for them to be able to uh, challenge the call uh, that's made on the ice. If they don't have their timeout, uh, they're not able to uh, make challenge. And if they've already challenged and lost their challenge, then they lose their timeout. And each goal is also reviewed. We've been doing this for a long time, too. As you mentioned, none of this part is new. Yeah. Uh, in the Has there ever been a conversation, Conrad, about reviewing goals in Toronto as opposed to in the rink? Well, I think it's a constant um, conversation. We always want to make things better. Um, and that might be one way, but it's that's there's a, a huge financial implication on doing that, uh, bringing in the games to Toronto. That would be up to 10 games a night. Uh, you know, we're not the National Hockey League. They, they've got an unbelievable situation room in Toronto, uh, but every game is is reviewed by an individual person. So then you'd be looking at possibility of 10, 10 hires, people in our in our building. We'd have to have the ability to have a, you know, really a top-notch system at our office to do that. Uh, we do the conference finals and finals out of our office, but that's one or two games at the most. Um, with the help of a, of a, of a person on site. Um, but still, there's still issues with our technology, I think, at this point in order for us to be able to, to do that. And when we talk about the technology that we do have, the tablets that are available at the timekeeper's bench for referees to do reviews on the spot, is that working well? Uh, it's working. It's working really well. The The concept is working well. Well, we run into, again, we run into Wi-Fi issues and and <laughs> technical issues that, that that are sometimes unexpected. Uh, but the concept is excellent because it, it's able to help our referees out. And that's the, the idea. It's not for somebody else to referee the call. There's nobody else that assists the referees with major and match penalties or goaltender interference calls. It's just it gives them the ability to review it with a fresh look on the tablet and be able to determine, you know, if they feel the correct call was made or, or if there's changes that need to be made. You and I have been around this game for more than a minute. How do you feel about the amount of technology that we do use? Like I get that what we're trying to do here, what we all want is that the correct call is made. And even with technology, that's not always going to happen, but how do you feel about the amount of technology we use as opposed to just, you know, let the humans figure it out because the humans are playing the game. I think there's positive to both sides, but there's so much at stake now is that we just want, you know, we're a little more uh, acceptable of delays to say acceptable of delays on reviews in order, you know, to, for the right call to be made. And as you said, there's still errors that get made, even with technology, even in National League, the baseball or football, but everybody has some sort of video review now. The there's so many eyes on our games. There's people at home watching the games, watching replays, watching it in slow motion. And it's hard to say, well, look at what everybody else sees. And the referee never saw it live. And and he doesn't have the ability to, to fix that call. Times have changed when I was on the ice you know, 15, 20 years ago. There was no video. You made the call. You lived with it. And, and the way you went, and there was no goal. We were just starting goal reviews uh, at that point. But. Uh, it's a different game. It's a fast game. So all these all these things that are brought into place are really, well, to help us get the right calls, but to help the referees. Just a, a, another tool for them is how we, use to, how we try to tell them. Do you have access to different camera angles in the rink that the viewer might have at home, for example? Yeah, great question. So 
um, a couple of years ago, the uh, our board of uh, governors they they uh, agreed to install uh, blue line cameras. So there's a sent there's a camera above the blue line on each blue line. So two cameras per building. Uh, those two cameras nobody else has access to except for um, our video replay uh, judge. And uh, and then we have our two video our cameras over the net, but those are available to uh, the viewers if if the TV broadcasters decides to tap into those cameras, they're able to. And and it's not because it's a secret; it's just um, the type of cameras that were installed over the blue line. They don't give a split signal to the TV, so that's why we were the only ones that have access. Otherwise, uh, everybody would have access. It's not. It's certainly not a secret. It's just. That's how that's how the camera is set up. So if it's one thing I've learned over the years talking to various officials, it's how much training, retraining, education, even during the season is is part of their job on the video replay side. How much work is done with those in-house officials to get them ready to to refresh their skills, et cetera? That's a great question, Mike. So so our on-ice officials, obviously, we have a, a training camp for them. We hadn't had one in three years, so it was excellent. We had one for them. And our video goal judge, so this week before the start of the season, I believe it's Wednesday night, uh, we have a Zoom call of this nature where we review uh, a lot of video with them, uh, what, you know, to help them get ready for the season, to refresh them, show them what, you know, offsides uh, kicked in um, and any calls that they have to make. So we do that every year. And then over the course of the season, we'll send videos to them on calls that get made in our buildings or even in the National League because the National League's got a great bank of videos that's available to anybody um, that we use and we send out, you know, hey, have a look at this, look at the call that was made. We agree with this call 100%. These are the reasons why, and uh, we establish that, so. You talk about that ability to have a training camp for officials this year. And of course, there was that combine back in the spring, too. Uh, how'd, you, how'd that go? Where'd the idea come from? I guess we need the next generation of official, don't we? Well, we do. And uh, and with COVID in the past year, we kind of, we didn't struggle, but it was hard for us to get out, uh, sort of like the scouts, to get out and see potential officials out there. So for the last, before, uh, like in 2019, we had a plan in place to have a a small combine and, and we had built a, a business plan around it. And then, well, COVID shut us all down. So then last year we thought, let's, let's do this again because we need to get eyes on potential officials and who's interested in the NHL and whether it's existing officials or even uh, ex players that are interested in officiating. That's who we want to see. Do they have the ability to skate, to make the calls, you know, to get to know them and, and see what their personalities are. And we put this out for, I believe our plan was to run it with 72 officials and, and we received over 200 applications for the, for the combine. It was uh, a little bit overwhelming. We weren't expecting that many officials, but it also showed us that there's a need uh, in officiating in Ontario uh, to develop these. They, there's not many camps that, that help them uh, to develop and become better. So obviously goal number one was to find officials for the Ontario hockey league, but goal number two was to help, with the development of officials overall. So the feedback we got from, from the officials that attended was like, we've never had anything like this before. We've never had, uh, you know, these video sessions, these on ice sessions uh, to help us. And, and some of them, uh, we had females at our camp. Some of the females had been to uh, Olympics as officials and they're stating that they had never been in a training session like we just offered. So it was, 
it was pretty good. We had a lot of, uh, we wanted it high end. We ran it high end. Uh, you know, we had officials or supervisors like Greg Dvorsky, who's uh, recently retired in the NHL, who works with us now. So he's a great help. Ken Cox, who works with us, he did all, all kinds of sessions. And, and a lot of our officials, our current officials came to the camp to help us. So guys like Kevin Hastings and guys like Sean Reed and, and then we, we made a mix of maybe younger officials that had just started so they could talk to uh, to these potential officials to, to talk to them about what it's needed to get to our league. So it was a really great three days. So we were, we're looking forward to doing it again next year. So You mentioned those high caliber female officials that were able to be a part of it. And I ran into somebody at a preseason game just after the weekend where you had a female officiating crew on a couple of back-to-back nights with Guelph Mississauga games. Mm-hmm. But to that end, the conversation we had before that preseason game is, well, yeah, of course, like this just mm-hmm. makes sense now, doesn't it? That, that yeah. women of course can be out there as officials in the Ontario hockey league. Absolutely. It makes sense. And, and uh, you know, I said it last year, I, I don't care if they're male or female, I just care if they could officiate our game and if they can great. So that's another Avenue for us that we really hadn't, I don't know why we hadn't looked into it. Maybe it wasn't, you know, nobody came to us and said this, but now it's, you know, there was 11, of, uh, 11, 11 females that we selected for our, for our combine back in June. And, and we brought uh, four or five to our training camp. And, and this week we're going to finalize decisions and then today or tomorrow uh, on who we're going to bring. And there's some females that are quite capable and some of them better than our other, you know, most, not most of them, but they're all able to do our, the job just uh, as good or better than, than what we have right now. So there's no stopping us. You look at the NFL, there's females, uh, on the field that are officiating and and I hope it gets to a point where it's not a, it's not even a conversation it's just an official that we've hired doesn't matter male or female that's kind of you want to hope that for for all the sports going back to what you were saying Conrad about the development of officials and you know finding the the pool really and and perhaps uh, deepening that pool a lot of talk around this league major junior has been around when the NHL went to the four-person system and the very best that was available at Major Junior at the time got sucked up into that system. Have we caught up from that that yet when you consider the development curve? Well, I think we caught up, but now, now we're dealing with COVID. Uh, I hate the word, but we're still dealing with it. Minor hockey lost a ton of officials. I mean, game, games are getting canceled because they don't have officials. It doesn't affect us yet. Like I said, we had 200 applications for our camp. But if this trend continues, it's going to affect us in the next few years. So it's important for us to have combines. Uh, the NHL is feeling the same, uh, the same pinch um, because now they're at a point where all the officials they hired when they started the four-man system or four-officiating system are now starting to retire. So, and it's not one or two every year because they hired them all the same few years. They're, they're all retired. So I think they're uh, looking for a lot. Have we reached that? I guess you could say we have, because it's been 20 years. Um, and some of the officials that we're, we're using now weren't even born when, when the four officiating system started, which is crazy to say, but that's what it is. Um, we're, we're a great, uh, tool for them. We work very closely with, you named Al Kimmel earlier. We worked closely with Al Kimmel and their development program to help them. Um, and by helping them, it also helps us. We're, we're number one in development of officials for the national hockey league. Uh, you know, they, 
they hire every year, they hire officials out of the OHL more than any other league. And and that's because of our relationship with them. We're, we go to their uh, officiating exposure. We work closely on, on people that bring into our league, whether it's ex-players or, or people they feel. Now, the detriment there is that they, they come in, they don't stay long because they get hired by the National League. So, but yeah, we're part Wait. of the development, sort of like players. Way to make us feel old, Conrad, about those guys. That really, but you know what? I was thinking about that watching Carter Sandlack officiate an NHL preseason game on the weekend. On and, Saturday, yeah. Right, yeah. He, he was in our league, it feels like, just yesterday. So as a yeah. player. Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and uh, even like uh, Tommy Hughes, who played in our league, he's sure. a fairly young player. But, you know, he, he came to us last year with the, with the help of the National League. We worked together. Uh, we introduced him to say to officiating. He said, I'll give it a try. And he excelled uh, as a linesman. He worked our final uh, this year as, as a linesman. He worked our finals. And then the National League, uh, you know, hired him full-time as an NHL linesman. So he worked this weekend. Uh, but that's one that comes in. We were like, wow, he's really good. He goes all the way to our finals, and then we lose him to the National League. But that's part of the game. That's part of the what we're here for. We're here to develop guys also. So, No question about that. Players, coaches, officials, et cetera. Yeah. On the development of officials, can you can you take us through a typical game night for officials in the Ontario Hockey League insofar as – how much feedback they'd be getting from either yourself or whoever that uh, officiating supervisor might be on site. Right. So we uh, meet with them. We would meet with them prior to the game. We'd have a, a brief discussion. We have some, uh, we call them rule quizzes, but we send out four questions every week. And uh, part of that, we want them to use that as, as their pregame preparation. We don't, uh, we don't mark them. The idea is for them to open their rule book and uh, find the rule and find what's applicable. Because as you know, if you're looking for something, you're going to find all kinds of other things. So that's the idea. Open the rule book, read. Um, so we go through some of that before the game. We, we just, you know, loosen them up, get ready for the game, and off they go. Uh, when the game ends, there's, you know, there's a process that we discuss with them on, on things we feel they could have done better, things they've done really well, and, you know, how could they have done those things that they didn't do really well? How could they have done them better? Uh, we don't, you know, we don't crowd them with too much stuff and then we're off. But uh, this year, the technology that you guys wouldn't see and nobody really would see is we've, we work with Instat, which all the teams work with that clips all the games. So after every game, the officials will now get a package from Instat um, with all the penalties clipped, all the goals clipped, all the hits clipped, offsides, icings, uh, face-offs. So from that point, we're able to maybe contact the official the next day and go, hey, did you watch the icing that was called at whatever, 1531 of the third period? What did you think? How could we have made a better call? So that's a, a real bonus because in the past, we'd have to go back to videos or or we had to get our video guy to try to clip them. But this is already all done. So that's very helpful. From that point, we, we put video packages together on a I would say on a weekly basis, uh, three or four clips we send out to the officials with voiceovers. Uh, it could be anything. It could be positive. Hey, this was really good calls from the weekend or here. These are areas that we need to work on uh, for next week. We want to enforce certain standards of play. Here's a series of videos on slashing, let's say um, slashing penalties. You know, these are slashing penalties that should have been called that weren't or, or whatever the case may be. We do when those all year. When we think back on this, I mean, it is so much different from when you were out there on the ice doing this job. These these men and women have an awful lot to be on top of, 
aware of during the game, the technology they have to use as well as just watching what's happening on the ice. It is a, it is a big, it's a bigger job. It almost feels like than it used to be. Oh, it's a full-time commitment on a part-time job. You know, all these officials have a full-time job. So they're, you know, firemen, policemen, salesmen all day. And then they come in for their part-time job, which is what they enjoy. And they play in the, they referee in the odd where there's, you know, seven or 8,000 people watch them. And then, and then we critique them. So uh, then we give them videos and we expect them to read all the rules and, and be ready. And they come to our training camp, which is a two to three day commitment just to, just to get ready for the season. It's really, you know, we get, when I started, we'd get a, a VHS tape if we were lucky, maybe once a season with some clips of, of what we did. <laughs> you know, as we start into another season, I, I'm sure you feel the same. We're, we're full of optimism and enthusiasm and excitement about what's to come. It's going to feel, it does feel more normal with teams crossing conferences, et cetera. But your job, Conrad, bluntly, why the hell do you keep coming back? I mean, you, you might be public enemy number one in this league. <laughs> I might be, but I love it. Uh, I don't know why I love it, but we do. We love to see them get better. And and we know, you know, obviously, you know, we all know they're not perfect. They're all human and, and they make mistakes. It's funny because last uh, two weeks ago, we went to, to see my son. He was playing in Raleigh, uh, North Carolina for the rookie tournament. And we watched some hockey there, but we also went and watched football. Uh, college football and I said that was so enjoyable because there's a lot of mistakes made and that's what I enjoy not that I'm saying I enjoy it because the officials make a lot of mistakes but it's just a lower level there's they're craving to be better all our officials want to be better all our officials step on the ice and they want to do a great job they have the same goal as the players it's just a different you know I, I, I say we have first line officials and we have fourth line officials but when our when our fourth liners are struggling uh, I can't take them off the ice. They're there for the whole 60 minutes. <laughs> Unlike a player that might be struggling, he sits on the bench, you know, watches the rest of the game, I don't know, gets ready mentally, and then the coach tries them out for a shift and says, you know, see if you're ready. But uh, for us, well, they're out there for the whole 60 minutes, so we uh, we just try to make sure they're ready. But their goal, uh, every game, they, they love what they do. Uh, obviously, some are better than others, uh, but um, – yeah, I just, I like to help them. I like to make them better. I like to see the National League hire officials. I like to see Dustin McCrank get selected to go to the, uh, to go to the Olympics in the world and, and his path of success. And it might not be a professional path, but it was certainly a path that's something to be proud of. Uh, and then we just, you know, we, this year we're looking at uh, probably 20 new officials. It's just exciting. They just want to be part of our team so bad and, and we want to help them make better. So. And and that's got to be what keeps you coming back to the office every season, every every game, right? Yeah. To watch these people develop and move through to the next level, or whatever it happens to be, or or they become those Kevin Hastings and, and Sean Reeds that you referenced earlier, who are just long-standing, well-serving yeah. officials in this league. We we you know there's there's the ones that are going to come in and and uh, come in quickly and then leave. You know, I, somebody said to me, yeah, but you have officials that come in from the National League. They're there one or two years and then they're gone. I said, yeah, but not all of them. That you know, we have we have our Connor McDavid's in our league. You know, our Tommy Hughes, uh, you know, Morgan McPhee. They weren't with us for very long. They're in and they're gone. But the majority of the officials won't leave. We're talking two out of of eighty. So we're trying to develop them long term to become 
guys like Kevin Hasten, Dustin McCrank, Sean Reed, all those guys that that will help uh, not only help us, but also help the new officials and the younger officials and work with them. So they're kind of our on-ice coaches. Um, and then we just, you know, those we, we love to see those guys and, and then have them succeed. If they succeed, we succeed. So, you know, I, I you know, we, our product is, uh, is officiating and, and we're just trying to make our product better and better. When you talk about that crew of 80, that makes me think of something else, the logistics. How do you handle that? I mean, I assume certain officials have certain geographic territories they work in, but who handles all of that? And how do, how do uh, officials get assignments week to week? Yeah, well, we learned last year that that could get a little hectic with our <laughs> games <laughs> getting canceled at three o'clock in the afternoon. But uh, uh, I work with Herb Morell out of my office. Uh, Herb's been around uh, longer than I have, but him and I work together closely on assignments of officials. Uh, we try to get all that out, you know, four weeks out. Um, so the officials know where they're going and it's all, uh, we have an online system. So they submit their calendars of when they're available and when they're not. Uh, our referees will travel a little more because that's just the way things are done. Or they'll mostly travel the whole province. Um, you know, they'll go and, and linesmen are, are more local to a certain degree, but also will travel with a, with a referee if we need to. So, um, yeah, that's <laughs> there's no secret to it. Last year it was a gong show with, uh, you know, we we get calls at two o'clock. You know what's going on tonight? And I, go, I have no idea. We'll find out in about an hour if we have games or no games or one game or uh, I have you know my assignment sheets. I put in red, with red when when there'd be a game canceled for COVID. And when I look at back at that folder, like December, January was it's all red. <laughs> it's just red. <laughs> well, was, I can't believe we got through all that, but we never missed. You know, for the officials, last year we never missed a, a, an assignment. We never had to work three-man system. Uh, we were able to do four uh, four officials every game, even with even with COVID. We get calls in the morning. You know, I can't work uh, tonight. Okay, we've got a, a great staff that are just so so willing to get out there and help out. So that was good. I'm just thinking also back to what you were saying about watching your son play in Raleigh, then seeing some football and noticing that mistakes get made, which is one of the great things about the yeah. junior game for sure. But you, Conrad, when you watch a game, can like how do you watch it? Can you get your mind out of watching the officials on the ice and watching your kid? Uh, it's tough because yeah. I've been an official my whole life since I was 14. Uh, but but I am human. <laughs> uh, so, I, I you know, I could certainly watch my son, but I also like in Raleigh. We had there was a couple of prospects there that worked for us. So, you know, at the same time, I was telling her from my office, "Well, I'm out here working. I'm watching the officials." You know, <laughs> at the same time, uh, but uh, it's hard. I'm I've always been an official, so I'll always watch the officials. It doesn't matter what game or sport. You're always your eye kind of always goes towards them to see what they're doing and is there something they do that we could adapt to do better you know the football they've had the mics for a long time so now it's it's starting to get to us and in the national league and and now we're kind of looking at it at our league because we want the fan experience we want the fans to know what's going on because you know for an example you know I, you know i watch a lot of hockey and my position and when i'm at at games to watch my son uh i'm at times wondering what's going on what's what's being reviewed like and i don't know so so the average person that's there, if, if I don't know what's being reviewed, I'm pretty sure they don't know what's being reviewed. And and at times it's frustrating. And 
we talked about, you know, the, the process and the delays and, but I think we're more acceptable if, if we get the right call. But anyways, that wasn't the, uh, the point, but yeah, it, it'll, I'll always watch officials, but, uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy watching my son play too. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's gotta be one of the most thankless jobs anywhere being an official. And you said before, even in your role now as the director of officiating for the OHL, you love it despite the target that might be on your back from fans. But since 14 Conrad, like what drew you into this line of work? Yeah. I, I don't know. I think it was just the, you know, to be out there. I don't want to say in, in charge, but it, it is a, kind of a thrill to be out there you know when I when I worked briefly in the NHL or the American League or, or some you know college hockey and having you know everybody's eyes on you and, and you're in charge it was good but when it was not good <laughs> when, <laughs> when you made the wrong call it's not good uh, I don't know it just um, yeah it, it's just being I think not it's not being in charge but uh, just yeah, I don't know what it was, but it was when I was 13 or 14, I said, that's what I want to do. And, and I went out and did it. And, and people that have never done it, um, you know, have, people say, why did he make that call? I said, well, have you ever stood in the corner of an ice having, you know, 7,000 or 15,000 people's eyes all on you? You don't know how you're going to react. You don't know the when everybody starts yelling how you're going to react. You only know if you've been out there uh because it, it's it's different than you know our armchair quarterbacks as we like to call ourselves when we're sitting up in the stands or behind a video screen and making calls we're not on the ice <laughs> well he was looking right at it well maybe he wasn't maybe he was looking through it maybe he was looking before it you know you don't know until you get out there so yeah it's uh it's quite the job for sure and uh you have your hands full keeping everybody uh in line and up to date with all of these rules so appreciate you sharing this knowledge with us today conrad and Hey, I look forward to seeing you in a rink because we're back doing this stuff yes. again and it's a good time of the year. It sure is. I can't wait. We start uh, Thursday. We're done with preseason now. Now my, my little handy phone here is going to start ringing again on uh, nights. And uh, uh, no, I can't wait. I uh, can't wait to start. So we've got a busy week. We deal with all the teams. We we meet with all the teams also. So we don't only train the officials, but we go over a lot of rules and procedures with all our teams. So I've got 20 of these Zoom calls to do. and five down 15 to go before Thursday. So off we go. When that phone rings and it says David branch, do you ever send it straight to voicemail? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the one you go. Oh, I got to take this call. <laughs> oh, Conrad. Thanks a million for doing this. Really appreciate it. Great. Thank you. Uh, anytime. Well, we're going from the OHL's director of officiating Conrad Hache to one of the newest Kitchener Rangers on this episode of the OHL podcast. So when we promise we're bringing you the biggest guests, we mean it. From the director of officiating to Kyle Morey. What makes Kyle Morey such a big guest on this podcast? The Kitchener native has just joined the Kitchener Rangers. Has that, that sound sunk into you yet, Kyle? You are a Kitchener Ranger. Uh, no, it's still hard to believe, but it's sunk in a little bit. But yeah, it's pretty cool. You obviously were a Kitchener Junior Ranger on uh, Ranger, pardon me, on your way up through the ranks. But talk about your history in hockey in the city that led you to this point with the Kitchener Rangers. Um, yeah, so basically my whole life, uh, ever since I started playing, it's been in Kitchener KMHA hockey all the way up. And yeah, obviously growing up, watching the Rangers, being a Junior Ranger, 
to now being on the actual Kitchener Rangers is pretty awesome. Was there ever a point along the way? Like, so I'll tell you one of my claims to fame, Kyle. I'm also born and raised in Kitchener, used to go to the games all the time. And when my dad would take me to a game, like it was a big deal, right? You're going to the odd on a Friday night. And then on Saturdays, I'd go out and play some hockey with my friends. And I'd pretend I was Jeff Larmer of the Kitchener Rangers. He's a little before your time. But one of my biggest, most exciting nights was when my number was called in the program and I got to go out and do one of the the shooting contests at intermission to try to win a prize. Did you ever play like in a Timbit game? Did you ever get out there on the ice? Like did anything else around the Kitchener Rangers happen to you before this? Um, well, the one was the newspaper. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but it was skate with the Rangers. Um, I won a contest and it was me saying how I want to skate with the Rangers. Cause I think it'll be fun. And when I grow up, I want to be a Ranger. So that's one of the things. And then I think I did actually play a Timbit game. I think, yeah, one of the, one of the games I played a Timbit game, uh, between the second intermission and that was always a night to remember. Did you have a, a favorite Ranger or Rangers growing up? Uh, probably Ben Finelli was definitely one of them. And then also Landeskog and Llewellyn were two of my favorites as well. Yeah. Finelli, cause he's just such an all around good guy, wore the sea. So did Landeskog, but Landeskog and Llewellyn could also uh, fill the net, which you did in junior B last year too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how would you describe your game as fans are about to start getting to know you in the Ontario hockey league? Who is Kyle Morey as a hockey player? Uh, I think I'm someone that's going to go out and work hard every single night. Um, obviously I love to, to score goals, uh, set up my teammates and things like that. But uh, honestly, just do whatever needs to be done out there and just play my role the right way. How did you find out about the trade? Take me through that. You're a property of the Owen Sound Attack, and all of a sudden you find out that the Kitchener Rangers have just acquired your rights. Yeah, well, I was at practice, actually, um, and I get back in the room, and I missed a phone call, and I like I didn't have the number on my phone, obviously, and then I was debating calling it back, so then I actually called it back, and then there was no answer, so I was just like, like still didn't know anything, and then about two minutes after that, uh, it called me again, and it, it was Mike McKenzie uh, telling me about the trade, and I was just I was just shocked. Uh, I was still at the rink, just in shock. I couldn't believe it, and it was a pretty unreal feeling. Did it occur to you at any point that one of your friends is just pranking you or something like that? Uh, no, not, <laughs> not that time, but <laughs> yeah. How does your family feel about this? Obviously, it's going to be a little bit of an easier commute for them to come and watch you at the rink now. Yeah, exactly. I think they, they liked it. Um, I've, I moved away last year, and I was away for a couple of weeks this year. So uh, I think they're going to like me being back at home and living at home. And then, obviously, the rink's right there, like two minutes away. So it's going to be an easy travel to the games. When you look back on your hockey career, Kyle, was there a coach, a parent, another relative, even a friend that had a really significant impact on you as a young player? I probably wouldn't say one person. Uh, I think everyone impacted me in a way and that brought me to where I am today. Uh, Obviously my parents, my teammates, all my coaches growing up really just impacted me in in the right way, which led, led me to where I am now. 
I'm sure it's just starting to settle in. I was joking with you just before we got started. This is probably more interviews in the past week than you've done in your whole hockey career so far. But yeah. what was it like? You get that call from Mike McKenzie, the general manager of the Kitchener Rangers. You're going to become property of the Rangers. And then next thing you know, you're stepping out onto the odd, not uh, the ice on the at the odd, not for skate with the Rangers, but to be in a practice with the Kitchener Rangers. What was that moment like for you? Yeah, it was definitely a special moment for me. Uh, pretty nerve wracking for sure, but lots of excitement to, to finally get on the ice and be skating with the actual Rangers. It was, it was a pretty awesome moment. How have the guys been with you? Uh, great. Yeah. They're all great guys. Very welcoming. Uh, yeah, definitely a great group of guys there. So we kind of take it in steps here. I would think for you, Kyle, you've got the first few practices under your skates now couple of preseason games this weekend too. It's a little bit of a different feel, I'm sure, than the practice. What were those games like for you? Yeah, they were they were good. Uh, definitely learned a lot, those two games. Uh, high tempo, lots of skill. So it was good to get out there and play a couple of games with, with the guys. And it definitely helped me out a lot. Okay, before we talk about that next big step, and I'm sure you know what it is, and I'm sure you're looking forward to it on Friday night, but you talk about being in these preseason games in the Ontario Hockey League. Tell me about the, the difference, the jump maybe from where you were playing last year in the GOJHL to what you're seeing so far in preseason in the Ontario Hockey League. What are the differences? Is it faster? Are the guys bigger? Uh, yeah, definitely definitely is faster. I'd say more skill, but yeah, it's it's definitely fast and it's a really skillful league and you got got to be able to make plays quicker and everything's just basically quicker i would say okay so now this coming friday is obviously opening night for the rangers at the memorial auditorium you've been there as a fan what do you think about when you think about that moment stepping onto the ice as a kitchen arranger oh i just i honestly don't even know what to think about they they do such a great job every year uh with the opening night well every night they do such a good job but they do such cool things and to, to be one of the players going on the ice and experiencing that from ice level is, is definitely going to be different and it's going to be, it's going to be cool. Do you feel any extra pressure because you're a local kid? Uh, I, not really, to be honest. I, I think I feel a little bit of pressure, but I think it's just, just another game of hockey and I just got to treat it that way and it'll be less nerve wracking. When I get out there. we got a few local guys now. Serpa from Cambridge and Matt Sopp, another Kitchener boy. So we've got our own little uh, local connection happening with the team this year. Yeah, I know. A bunch of guys. <laughs> How many people are already asking you for tickets or saying they're going to be there to watch you play that first game on Friday night? Yeah, I've had a, a few texts of people that are going to be there and text me for tickets. So I think it's going to be pretty cool. You mentioned, obviously, last year you had to be away from home playing junior B how does it feel being like you had that little bit of independence Kyle how does it feel being back or your parents like ah come on we were so happy to be rid of you <laughs> yeah a little bit yeah no it was definitely definitely a good experience to to be away from home for a year um you, you learn a lot when you're when you're gone and obviously you miss home a bit so it's it's obviously good to be home now where do you see yourself as a player fitting in with 
this Kitchener Rangers hockey club because it's got they've got a lot of guys as you know returning from last season so a lot of experience there where does Kyle Morey fit into the picture uh yeah I'm not too sure yet I hope to to just be a guy that is doing what what they need in the lineup some someone that might not be doing that's going to be doing something other people might not what like are doing like scoring goals maybe I need to to be hard on the four check things like that honestly anywhere that they need I, I just want to be that guy have you uh, been warned about any of the road trips? I mean, the first one we get to do in the second week of the season, Ottawa, Kingston, pretty decent places to go. But then there are those long trips up to Sault Ste. Marie. Have any of the guys warned you about what's to come? Uh, no, not yet. Yeah, I haven't really talked to them about that, but yeah. There's a lot still to come, but you've got 68 games ahead of you as a uh, as a Kitchener Ranger. I'm sure that you were excited enough just to be drafted by the Owen Sound Attack when they drafted you a year ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Obviously, it was cool to be drafted there, but now now to be in Kitchener, it's definitely a lot cooler. So is it safe to say, Kyle, that uh, dreams of the National Hockey League are still very much alive for you? Yeah, obviously, I would definitely love to make it there someday. Who's your favorite NHL team? Uh, I'd probably have to go with the Maple Leafs on that one, but I, I like watching like Colorado and a bunch of teams. That's, you know what, don't be shy about talking about the Leafs, okay? I'm a huge Leafs fan too, so we'll suffer through the Leafs season together while we're with the Rangers this year. Perfect, sounds good. <laughs> Kyle, welcome to Kitchener. Can't wait to see you put the Rangers jersey on as a Kitchener kid. Everybody's proud of you, and thanks for making time to do this with me. Yeah, thanks for having me today. Kyle Morey, one of the newest members of the Kitchener Rangers, acquired in a deal with the Owen Sound attack. And now the Kitchener native gets to put on the jersey of his hometown team. 60 years of Rangers hockey. And really, when you look back on all of it, uh, precious few are the names that got to wear the jersey that actually grew up in the community. So a special season ahead for the Rangers' newest forward, Kyle Morey. So Conrad Hashe, the director of OHL officiating, joins us to start this episode of the OHL podcast. We tie a bow on it with the newest member of the Kitchener Rangers who just happens to hail from the city of Kitchener and we are getting you set for the season this is opening week in the Ontario Hockey League everything gets going on Thursday night and then of course the Rangers are home on Friday and we will have another episode of the OHL podcast out on Friday as well to mark the beginning of the season and let me give you just a wee bit of a hint in that regard, two of the longest serving voices in Ontario Hockey League history who have been around the game and broadcast for rival teams. You would think on the ice, these guys shouldn't get along at all, but off the ice, they do. And that's why we thought we'd bring them onto the podcast together to share some stories, talk about that rivalry on the ice and how they've developed a friendship off the ice. So that's on Friday's episode of the OHL podcast, which is the next one you're going to get. Of course, find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening right now, you already did find us. Thank you for that. Please do tell a friend, like, subscribe, leave us a review, and send an email anytime. If there's a topic you want covered, if there's a question you've got, or there's a guest you'd like to see featured, shoot us an email, ohlpodcast at rogers.com. You'll find me on Twitter at farwell underscore OHL. My name is Mike Farwell. This is the OHL podcast. Your next episode comes out on Friday.
I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.